Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question tonight is, well, it's a bonus episode of sorts. And I'm doing a little introduction right now because I feel like I need to explain the context of what you're about to hear. If you've been listening to this podcast since the very beginning, it started out as a weird little conglomeration um, collage of sorts of my radio show. So every Friday, if you don't know, I have a radio show called Mixtress Radio. It airs, it's an online radio station that it's like you have to tune in at the exact time that it's on. You know, it's a, it's a time and place kind of thing in the internet age, (laughs) which means it doesn't have a huge listenership. Um, like I was going to say like this pod, this podcast doesn't have a huge listenership either. Like it's a niche thing. However, my radio show has far less listeners than my podcast because I mean, understandably, because you have to tune in at a time and place. You have to be there at seven to 10 central standard time every Friday at the predestined, um, (laughs) web link. Forgot what a website was called there for a second. It's been a long week. Um, so if you are at all interested in, if you decide to embark upon the bonus podcast and you're at all intrigued by the content within, and you decide to start listening on, on Friday nights, if you got the time, um, the way that you can do that is the link is myradiostream.com slash mixtress radio. And, um, for right now I'm using a free radio server. So that means essentially that you can listen on a mobile device. However, if you're going to listen on a mobile device, just to give you like the deets right now, because <laughs> there will be another radio broadcast. I'm going to be posting this in the wee hours of the morning on Friday. So I actually will have a radio show tonight at Friday. So if you hear this right when it comes out, for some reason, if you hear this podcast episode, the second it posts, there will also be another radio show later tonight. If you're interested and you would like to listen, if you listen on a mobile device, just FYI, if you are listening from an Apple device, make sure you choose a browser that isn't Safari. And if you choose a browser that isn't Safari, (laughs) then you further have to request the desktop site. You can listen on a mobile device, but you have to request the desktop version of a site to listen to it just for now, because with the free radio server, it's more complicated to listen essentially. Anyway, all of that said, that is the explanation for why you're going to hear me. So basically this podcast started as a mixtress radio collage, wherein I would take all of my recorded voice intros that are usually interspersed with chunks of music and I put them, edited them all together as a podcast episode. So you would hear me refer to music that you're not going to hear because this is a podcast and I can't like copyright prohibits me from playing full songs on a podcast. And, um, so you're not going to hear the songs that I mention. Um, I don't think I mentioned specific songs in this particular. So anyway, this 
what you're about to hear is the Mixtress radio broadcast from last Friday. So it was the 11th, January 11th, 2019. This is the broadcast that was posted. So this is just a bonus episode of the podcast. It's not about Buffy, but it, I mean, I'm sure I talk about Buffy at some point because I always talk about Buffy at some point in my life. It's one of my top five obsessions. (laughs) So um, I just thought I would give you guys a little taste of what I do over on Mixtress Radio. So if you're at all interested, you can start listening or just enjoy this podcast episode. So I hope that you will like it. Um, Yeah, let's just go ahead and get into it. Hello, Mixtresses and Mixters. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to Mixtress Radio. Um, tonight, I sort of, I, <laughs> okay, so I have this project that I started back in like early 2017, and it's just like this little set of papers, uh, me wanting to complete this project. And I realized that I've been pretty uninspired, which is the reason why I haven't finished it. So I just decided, like yesterday, to sit down, finish this project to the best of my ability with the knowledge that I have right this very moment, and debut it for you guys as a finished project, and move on with my life. So I do this a lot, where I'll just like come up with some like weird thing in my head of like something that I want to do. I mean, I'm sure lots of people do that. But in this particular situation, I decided that I wanted to, and I told you guys about this project, I think when I first conceived of it. So if you've been listening since the beginning of time, you might have some memory of me talking about this, because I thought it was a great idea at the time. But for various reasons, which I will get into, it's not the greatest idea. Um, Not to say that you're not going to hear great music tonight or great discussions tonight because of course as always I will bring you the babbling and the music and I think the music in particular will be pretty great tonight because it's going to be a journey through time because of the nature of the project so here was the project I wanted to find my very favorite movie from each year release date from each year since I was born So when I started the project, 1982 through 2017, obviously we now have a 2018 to contend with. And so that's the project. My favorite movie from each year since I was born. There you go. So what I'm going to do tonight, basically the structure is going to be, we're going to go through in chronological order. Or should we do reverse chronological order? Even though that's fun, it's going to be easier for me to keep track if I go in chronological order. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll basically, I'll introduce six movies and then we'll come back and introduce six more and then six more because I am 36 and that would make sense except 2018 throws it out of whack because 2018 was the year I turned 36, which means we actually have 37 years to talk about here. Um, so whatever anyway so the last one i'll introduce six movies and my general goal is i will play one song from the soundtrack of each movie so tonight might run like slightly long depending on how long these songs are um but it shouldn't be too bad and it's 
entirely possible that I either won't find a great song from a soundtrack for some of these, or yeah, that basically, <laughs> because if I don't find a great song from the soundtrack, I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to play something that I don't like from a soundtrack. So there might be some missing content in here, or I might just take out a few things that aren't as great just so we fit in the time period, because you guys aren't going to care as much about total complete completeness in that area as much as I'm going to be inclined to care. <laughs> So I will make cuts where necessary, but in general, the plan is one song per movie. And I'm going to talk about briefly, she says, before she talks about each movie for 10 minutes each, <laughs> but I can't do that because there's too many to cover. So that way, you know, I'm finally debuting this project. What happened, what ha happened was I ran into one of three issues with this project. Number one, I either didn't have any great choices for a certain year, and so I just had to pick the least of all evils, which didn't feel great to say that, like, for example, the year I was born, I picked Tron as my favorite movie from that year, even though I don't really like Tron that much. So we'll talk about that, but <laughs> it was just like, it was the best of all the ones. Like if I Googled 1982 movies and like looked at all the top movies, if I went through my own collection and went through all of the movies that I have from that year, which is, that's how I did the information gathering stage of this project was, you know, looking at all the movies I own, all the movies that pop up on IMDb, like top 100 lists or whatever, you know, like... I tried to be thorough as far as movies that I've seen from each individual year, um, but yeah. So either there wasn't any great choices and I had to pick, pick the least of all evils, or there was way too many great choices, such as the case with the year 1999. I would say of my top 25 movies of all time, probably at least half of them are from 1999. I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, I a better project would be my top 25 movies from 1999. It really would, because I would have a lot to say in that case. A lot, a lot. Oh my god, it's 2019. <gasps> that means it's it's an anniversary year for movies that came out in 1999. You guys, I just came up with my next project. <laughs> Um, so over the course of this year, I will probably be talking to y'all about a lot of movies that came out in 1999. Ooh, I should go find the release dates of all my favorite movies from 1999. <laughs> okay. Uh, I haven't even finished presenting you guys with this movie project, and I've got a new one. Which reminds me, I haven't gone through, usually at the beginning of the year, I go through like the release date of albums that came out, you know, like 10 years ago this year, 20, 30, 40, 50, and so on. I haven't done that yet. I need to get on that because I like to feature albums on my radio show periodically. I haven't had an album of the night in a while. Do you guys miss it? Let me know. Okay, so it was either, you know, way too many choices, not enough choices, or sort of the middle point, even if in the situation where I was very confident, like 2004, Napoleon Dynamite, my favorite movie of the year, very confident about that answer. You know, there's still always 
but I haven't seen every movie from 2004. Or like, what if this really isn't the best choice? And Napoleon Dynamite's a bad example because that's like one of my top five movies of all time. But just as an example. Um, so it just like overall, I the project sort of stuttered because I put off making decisions on the ones where there were either too many good choices or not enough good choices, especially in the case when there wasn't enough good choices, which is a great segue to the first six songs you're going to hear, most likely, unless I don't, you know, find enough. But the first six movies we're going to talk about anyway, a few of them fit that category for me. Um, and also the problem popped up as well, like picking your favorite movie from each year that you've been alive. Sounds pretty cool, but that also excludes a lot of movies. You know, like Carrie is one of my favorite movies of all time, but it was, it, it came out in 1976, so I didn't get to use it because I wasn't born yet. So it's not a great favorite movies list as I have now. I guess that's what it overall is. It's not a great list of your favorite movies to pick one from each year of your birth. Like for some reason on the surface, it sounded like a great idea, but it turns out that it wasn't the best idea. But at least I'll be talking about 37 movies tonight and we will be playing some music and we'll have a good time while we do it. And I'll be done with this project. So let's go. So I picked for 1982, the year of my birth even though I was born in within the last quarter of the year, as Tron. And basically, my other choices were Poltergeist, Secret of Nim. Yeah, those were my three choices that I had written down. <laughs> and I picked Tron because it's uh, the score was pretty cool. The visual, the aesthetics of the movie were really great. It was not a great movie for women. Um, watching it again, like now, is kind of yucky. <laughs> but overall, aesthetically pleasing movie. 1983, I only had two choices um, written down. War Games and The Man with Two Brains. Both of these movies I've seen like maybe twice each and I don't have great memories of them. I remember enjoying The Man with Two Brains and finding it funny when I was a kid, but I ultimately went with War Games because I think that was culturally pretty interesting. I have not seen it in a while though, so it's very possible that it could piss me off if I watched it now. I don't know how sexist that movie is, but um, being from 1983, you can pretty much assume that it is. 1984, I chose Ghostbusters as my favorite of the year. I had some other good choices for that particular year, um, and I'm not completely married to the idea of Ghostbusters being the pick, because there's also Starman, which I watched a bunch as a kid, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I really liked it. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street was another possibility. Splash, but I rewatched Splash whenever I started this project, and it pissed me off a lot. It's definitely a sexist movie, so that one did not make the cut, despite the fact that um, Tom Hanks and a mermaid. But it was very much a born sexy yesterday trope, which if you don't know what that is, I just learned recently myself. The born sexy yesterday trope in culture, movies, TV, whatever, 
is when there is a female character, Tron is a victim of this as well. When there's a female character, I mean, it could be male too, but it's very rarely a male character. Fifth Element is a victim of this as well. That is, she's really naive to the way that the world works. So such that in Splash, she's a mermaid. She doesn't understand the world. Very, very naive. And, but she's in an adult body. So born sexy yesterday. <laughs> like that old trope of the first man you meet teaches you everything about the world. And you also have sex with him because you're fully capable of being a sexual adult despite the fact that you're childlike in every other way. It's a bad trope that they put on women a lot in movies. Um, this is a recurring theme in movies. So Splash has a very much a born sexy yesterday. Oh my god. I just realized two in these first six movies have the born sexy yesterday trope. Um, we'll get there. 1985 Real Genius was my pick. Um, went up against Clue and The Breakfast Club, which are two also important movies to me, but ultimately Real Genius is just such a good time. I didn't even see that movie until I was in my 20s, thanks to my Michael, who showed it to me. Um, love that movie. Val, Kilmer, Val Kilmer's performance in that movie is great. There's also like a pretty well-written female character in that movie. Just the one, which is unfortunate. It might not pass the Bechtel test. I can't remember. Probably not. But um, at least it has like a strong female character in it, which is more than you can say for a lot of movies in the 80s. 1986, I picked Breakfast Club. It was up against Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is probably the movie that I've seen if I were going with top 10 movies that I've seen the most times, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is definitely on there. And it was up against Legend, which is also a movie I like. Overall, John Hughes can, can fuck off. <laughs> really. Like, I grew up loving Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Breakfast Club. I didn't really see Pretty in Pink until later. 16 Candles I never really liked. And probably that one's the most problematic. If you don't count uh, Weird Science, that one's definitely the most problematic John Hughes movie. But Pretty in Pink is probably the least. And I think there were other, there was a different writer or there was something, someone else that had a big part in the main production team of Pretty in Pink, which is one of the reasons why it wasn't quite as terrible. But again, not one of my favorite movies at all. In fact, it pisses me off a lot of the time that I'm watching it, but I do like it. And it, it did win out over those others. And then the last movie that we'll talk about before I come back to introduce the next six is 1987's Mannequin. So that one was up against, let's see, Princess Bride, which I know is a favorite for people, but it just pisses me off now. How damselly Robin Wright's character is in that movie, I it just pisses me off too much these days. So it couldn't be on there. Um, it was also up against Adventures in Babysitting, which is... I don't know. That's just a good time. That's just a nostalgic good time movie. But Mannequin won out. I talked about Mannequin for like half an hour on this 
radio show like a year ago, so I'm not going to do that to you guys again. But it's like, if you've heard of the aesthetic vaporwave, it is vaporwave. It is like, it has this aesthetic, overall aesthetic quality to it that is just, it's great. It It's like pre-nap material for me. It's calming. It's soothing. It's, I don't know what it is, but, and it's actually pretty progressive for its time. Like watching it again recently, like there was some progressive thinking going on with the writers of that movie. Um, don't know if it passed the Bechdel test, but it had the born sexy yesterday thing. Well, you know, it sort of subverted it though. It, yeah, it really wasn't. She was a mannequin and she fell in love with a guy, but it wasn't the first guy she'd ever met. She had gone through time and met all kinds of people throughout history. And she was constantly searching for a time and a place where she fit in. Um, and she wasn't stupid. She was kind of a muse character almost, but it wasn't like she came to fix his life and then she disappeared whenever it was fixed. You know, so she wasn't really the manic pixie dream girl trope and she really wasn't the born sexy yesterday trope either. Um, so mannequin, I mean, it's up there. After watching it again recently um, and realizing that I still love it, like that is the one among these six that it's my favorite among these six. You know, I might as well pick a favorite from each little category. If it's going to be as arbitrary as my favorite movie from a certain year, I might as well make it even more arbitrary and pick my very favorite from each six that I talk about. So Mannequin wins on that front. So I'm going to try to find songs on Spotify that correspond to the soundtrack or the score of each of these movies so that you guys can, um, so that there can be a music element to this whole thing, because that's going to be fun. Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing tonight. So let's get into the music. Hello, kittens and cats. This is Mixtress Ray. You're listening to Mixtress Radio. Tonight I am capping off, finishing off a, a project that I started like two years ago um, because I ultimately found out that it like sounded like a really good idea at the time but it really didn't turn out to be the greatest thing in the world so I thought I could cap it off by turning it into a mixtress radio night so that I could feel like I'm finishing this project this is not an unfinished project it's just not necessarily as enjoyable of an endeavor as I thought it would be in the beginning so if you're just tuning in what we're doing tonight is I'm telling you my favorite movie from each year that I've been alive. So from 1982 up through 2018. And some of these are not my favorite movies. They're just the least of all evils from a certain year. So that's why it kind of didn't feel like the greatest because looking over the actual list once I finally committed to picking one from each year is not my favorite movies. It's not a comprehensive list of my favorite movies. It really isn't. So that's what made it feel like not the best project in the world. But I thought it would be fun to go ahead and tell you what those movies are, even if they're not super important to me, and then play you a song from the soundtrack of each of those movies. So that's what we're doing tonight. But before we talk about that, we got to talk about other shit tonight too, right? 
So let's talk about what's a good thing to talk about next. Let me just since the year 1993, fall, basically I'm talking about six movies at a time, introducing six movies at a time before you hear songs from those movies. So since the year 19, no wait, but we, we have to do one segment of seven movies at a time. So I might as well include 1994. So we're going to talk about 1988 through 1994 in this particular um chunk. So we're going to talk about seven years, seven movies, just so I can fit 1994, which brings me to a segue of the featured pop culture of this week, which is the television series that came out in 1994 called My So-Called Life. So a lot of y'all remember this TV show. It's iconic kind of I grew up with it I mean I was actually watching this series as it came out I'm pretty sure there was also like it's possible that I wasn't watching it as it came out but there were so many reruns of this tv show it was only one season it was a drama and it was about this 15 year old that you know she basically had a new group of friends and she was just, it was an identity show. You know, she's trying to find out who she is. She's 15 years old. She's very existential and dramatic as 15 year olds tend to be. She, and it was a very well done show because it was, the content was really mature. They sort of dealt with real issues. Um, and it was really thorough in its, it was really good to its characters. Like, it wasn't just a show about her and her perspective, the main character, Angela Chase was the character's name. It was also about, you know, it, you know, it, sh it was a perspective shifting show that like, it actually showed, there were lots of scenes where it was just her parents and what they were going through together. Or it was like, you know, from the perspective of different friends or acquaintances, like it really tried to get inside the heads of all the characters. It wasn't just from the teenager's point of view. It was, it was cool and it was very well done. And I'm watching it again. I have it checked out from the library. I think it's late at this point. And I've checked it out several times because it's like, it's kind of a, a difficult show to get through because it's you know it's dealing with real topics it's a drama and it's bringing up a lot of nostalgia for me you know in that unique way that like something that you've seen a million times but you haven't seen it for like a really long time it's it's I don't know it's I don't know what how to describe it but it's just a very unique form of nostalgia like when it all floods back to you and it's like this familiar thing. And I'm like noticing all these parts of the show that like influenced me for real influenced me. Um, I wasn't ever super into the main character as much, but she had one of her best friends, her, the character's name was Rayanne. And she was just this force of life character. You could tell she's probably had a pretty difficult upbringing. She, you know, they have an episode where they deal with her, um, 
overdosing or alcohol poisoning or something like she has a substance problem that they deal with in one of the episodes that you sort of see coming for a while um but she's also just this force of life and she's really creative she does all this weird shit to her hair and so i had this like moment of oh yeah i started i in like middle school so I must have seen this as it was coming out because it came out in 1994 and I would have been 11 at that point so I would have been in middle school I um I did several things hair related to become more like Rayanne <laughs> I, um one of them was she has had like a strip of her hair that was bleached white and I did that um and I immediately dyed it blue. That was my twist on it, as I dyed it blue. And it was just one little strip of my hair that I dyed blue, but I got sent home from school and told that I couldn't come back until I washed it out. Ridiculous, right? But, I mean, to think about that now, like, every middle schooler you run into now has hot pink hair, <laughs> you know? I was a trailblazer in my time. But anyway, um... She used to like, you know, have like half of her hair braided and the other half up in a bun. And I remember in middle school with my group of friends, I would instate funky hair days. <laughs> and I feel like I got a lot of people to participate, um, probably just because of my sheer enthusiasm. I was a lot like Rayanne, you know, before I sort of, you know, some things happened to me in high school that, you know, turned off my enthusiasm. I hit like a major, my first major depressive episode happened in high school. But before all of that shit darkened me for all time, I was like Rayanne. I was this force of, I was just this force of nature. I was just running around, talking to everyone, being friends with everyone, just calling people out on their shit. And it's inspiring even now to see this character. She is... She's one of my top five characters of all time, probably. Um, I just love her so much. And going revisiting the character of Rayanne Graff on My So-Called Life is one of the things that is making me happy this week. Um, I also tried to, because my middle name is Ray. That's why I call myself Mixtress Ray on social media and shit like that. I one year at school, I don't know what it would have been, like seventh grade, eighth grade, probably one of those years. At the very beginning of the year, you know, whenever people are taking roll and stuff, they always say, hey, if you have a certain nickname you go by, let me know at the beginning of the year. I'll change it in my books, whatever. And I told every single one of my teachers that I wanted to be called Rayanne. And of course, it had to be spelled like my middle name. <laughs> And it didn't work. It did work in the fact that my teachers actually tried to call me Rayanne, but I just wasn't responding to it. So I went back to my real first name like immediately. Um, but that was a thing that I tried on. <laughs> um, funky hair day, bleached a strip of my hair just like Rayanne, and I tried to actually go by Rayanne. But I, and further than that, just the the show was pretty progressive, I would say, for its time. It was pretty inclusive overall of just 
and it wasn't very sexist. Like so far there hasn't been like a glaringly sexist thing that's pissed me off. There's been a couple of moments of just why is everybody white? But overall the show doesn't piss me off and it seems pretty progressive and I'm really enjoying revisiting it and that's basically it. So my soul called life is the feature pop culture tonight. Um, so yeah, let's get back to the feature pop culture on a night when I talk about 37 different movies. It's actually a TV show. Sure. Why not? Okay. So the seven movies that, um, you're going to hear a song from each in an ideal world, unless I don't find a great song from one of them or something, but most likely you're about to hear seven songs from seven different movies. So 1988 through 1994 is what we're talking about here. So my favorite movie of 1988 is Earth Girls Are Easy. Now this is one I haven't actually seen in a while. I wanted to watch it again before I officially declared it my favorite, but I'm deciding to finish this project. So whatever. It's, it came from, I became obsessed with Gina Davis when I saw her in The Long Kiss Goodnight. from 1996, um, which didn't get to make the list because there was another movie in 1996 I liked more. But um, I became obsessed with Gina Davis and decided I wanted to watch every movie she'd ever been in. And this one is Earth Girls Are Easy, 1988. It has Jim Carrey in it, I remember, as like an alien. So this has the born sexy yesterday trope for sure, but it's with guys. Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, and Damon Wayans, I think, were the three characters that were aliens that somehow ended up in Gina Davis's apartment. And if I remember correctly, this movie is just a bananas delight from beginning to end. I remember it just being like so 1988 in the aesthetics. It might even be one that you could also characterize as a vaporwave movie such as Mannequin, um, it, she was like a, Gina Davis is like a ditzy nail technician or something, and then these aliens end up in her house, she has this terrible boyfriend, and the, the guys are hilarious, and she sort of falls in love with Jeff Goldblum's character, which of course, because Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum were actually married for a little while, so they were in several movies together, um, and typically, Gina Davis being in a movie means that it's not going to be incredibly sexist because she doesn't stand for that shit. Um, I don't know, since I haven't seen it recently, how I'd feel about that movie now. But the way I remember it, like, I want to watch it right now. <laughs> like, just talking about it makes me want to watch it. It's like a, I think of it as a cult classic. I don't know if anyone else loves it, but I definitely have loved it in the past. 1989, I picked Little Mermaid as my favorite movie, simply because, like, at the time, 1989, I would have been six going on seven that year. I was really into The Little Mermaid. It's really the only Disney movie that I really gravitated towards. Of course, I mean, if you want to talk about Segway, 
Okay, well, I wanted to talk about this later tonight, so never mind. But I have a topic that I'm going to bring up later that is related to a fairy tale. Um, in a bad way. But, like, the message of Little Mermaid, like, it's pretty bad. It's really bad. But the fact that Ursula was based on a drag queen named Divine, which is just a fact that I just recently learned. And I just loved Ursula. And that was one of the, that was the, the one and only Disney song that I have memorized from beginning to end. Well, no, because that uh, Timon and Pumbaa song in The Lion King I have memorized. Are you hungry for a hunk of fat juicy meat? Eat my buddy Pumbaa here because he is a treat. Okay, let's not. Because <laughs> I can do the whole thing. But that Ursula song, Poor Unfortunate Souls, I know every word to that. I like to break it out at karaoke sometimes, even though it's a real long song. But I can do it because it's my jam. You can't get away from that. Um, I, what else do I even love about Little Mermaid besides that song? <laughs> like now if I watch Little Mermaid, it just sort of pisses me off. Just the entire premise of becoming a completely different species in order to get a man. Like, really? Really? And she had to leave her entire family behind. Okay, don't get me started. Don't get me started because I'll talk about The Little Mermaid for fucking 20 minutes. 1990, my favorite movie of that year is Joe versus the Volcano. That is the... Um, it's not very well known. Like most of the time when I bring it up, people don't know about it, but it's Tom Hanks and he's sort of like in a job, you know, in a nine to five soul sucking job that he hates. And he just sort of like learns to find the fun. And part of that has to do with Meg Ryan. So this is kind of got a manic pixie dream girl trope going on a little bit in this movie. Meg Ryan plays three different characters in this movie she just like keeps popping up as different people and you're supposed to believe that she's different people um but it's it's a good performance from tom hanks two of these movies so far i've had no wait because i didn't pick splash but i talked about splash 1991 and this one actually would be probably at least on a top 50 movies of all time list for me and that is Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Watched this one again recently too, and it does hold up. Christina Applegate um, is like the oldest in a big family. She's got like, I guess only two siblings, but um, her mom leaves her for the summer and you know, like the babysitter dies and they, she doesn't have the money anymore that her mom gave the babysitter for them to live for the entire summer while she was in fucking Australia or some shit. And she has to figure out how to like get a job and take care of everybody when she's only 17 years old. And that's another one that's, I've just seen it so many times. The sound design in the movie is really incredible to me. Like it really, I, I notice if the sound effects in a movie are realistic and well done. And this movie has that. Like every time somebody's tapping their nails on a countertop, it sounds exactly like it should. You know, they're not using, you know, the sound effects CDs or some shit. I don't know what 
prop people, what sound design people use, but you know that creaky door sound that's in everything? Like, why are we still using that? It's the same exact creaky door sound that is in everything since the beginning of time. It was probably recorded in the 1800s at this point. Like, come on. I mean, at this point, whatever. So don't tell mom the babysitter's dead, my 1991 movie. 1992, I am picking Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it really is just a fun, campy movie. 1993, I am picking my very favorite zombie movie of all time is Return of the Living Dead 3. Probably talked about it before, but it's a unique approach to a zombie film. Basically, the main character is, and she was a, like, she wasn't dead very long at all, so she has more of her cognitive abilities about her whenever she comes back from the dead than most zombies do. And this might have been the first time that you got, like, a semi-intelligent zombie in a zombie movie. I don't know enough about zombie movies to say that definitively, but, um, she had faculties about her. Like, she wanted to eat flesh, but she was stopping herself. And one of the ways that she stopped herself was she mutilated herself. And when I first saw this movie, probably, it was probably like the late 90s when I first saw it. I was very much in a phase of, like, piercings and tattoos and experimental self-mutilation, like, burning myself and things like that. And it was... Seeing this movie was a way for me to explore that without actually doing a lot of it. And it meant a lot to me then. And I still think it's just sort of an interesting take on zombies that like nobody was doing interesting takes on zombies in 1993, but this movie did. So, um, I still think it's a, it's one that I recommend to people that like zombie movies because people just normally haven't ever heard of it. So still think it's a good movie. And then 1994, I picked The Crow. When you watch that now, it's not a great movie, but for little goth boys and girls that grew up in the nineties, The Crow was important. <laughs> it was very important to me, mainly because it had The Cure's Burn in it, which is definitely a song you're about to hear, because it was definitely my favorite from the soundtrack, although that entire soundtrack was good. I could play the whole thing right now, and I probably have played it as an album of the night before. <laughs> I'd be surprised if I haven't. Um, but yeah, that movie was hashtag important to me back in the day. So since I did this with the last segment, I picked my favorite of the six that I talked about. I might as well pick my favorite of the seven that I just talked about. So without a doubt, that is Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. It's just a good movie. It's, you know, it's pretty, pretty like plot wise, it is structured in a very comfortable comfortable movie sort of way like she's doing a thing she's deceiving people she's pretending to be older in order to get this job and you know it's gonna all come crashing down at some point but I don't know it's still kind of a good movie it it doesn't it has some sexist bullshit in it a little bit but it's not too bad um so definitely Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead is my favorite from this chunk of movies. So let's get back into, you're going to hear one song from each of these movies, ideally. Um, 
which means, am I going to play Poor Unfortunate Souls? I mean, I kind of have to, but it's like a five minute long song. <laughs> Not that I've ever shied away from five minute songs on this show before, but yeah. Okay, whatever. Here we go. That's what you signed up for tonight, right? Hello, llamas and goats. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to Mixtress Radio. If you're just tuning in, tonight's theme is um, based on a project that I began in 2017 that I sort of lost interest in, but I would like to say that I'm done with it, <laughs> which makes it sound not as fun as I'm hoping that it is, because finally closing the book on this particular project is definitely fun for me, and I hope that you're getting something out of it too. And that project is... I decided that I wanted to pick my favorite movie from each year I've been alive. So we're talking about movies from 1982 through 2018 tonight. And um, just ultimately as a list of movies, it's not my favorite movies, but sometimes you're just picking the least of all evils in a year. So we just, we've talked about, and then I'm playing a song from each movie. So you just heard Burn by The Cure, which was from the Crow soundtrack from 1994. So next we're going to talk about 1995 through 2000. So, um, but we're also going to talk about other shit too. So let's do that part first before we talk about the movies. Um, let's see, I got my list here. First of all, can we talk about... Okay, so because I'm not on Facebook anymore, and I don't really keep up with news in general, I probably didn't know until several days after it started that the government was shut down right now. So you guys probably know way more details about that than I do. But can we just talk about how bullshit it is? You know, I didn't really know until this week kind of what that entailed. You know, like, what does it really mean when the government is shut down? It basically just means that the people that are working in government jobs at the low end of government jobs get fucked. So a lot of people might not be getting their paychecks this week, and the people that aren't getting their paychecks are people that are working hard. Probably. It's not like Congress that isn't getting their paychecks. It's, you know, people that could actually afford to not get their paychecks are still getting them. And also, I don't know what the status of the government shutdown is at the exact moment, but if it continues through Friday, I think, is what I heard on um, the Throwing Shade podcast I listened to today, then people that are on food stamps won't get their checks so it's, you know, it's affecting people that really need something. And I've been thinking a lot about that kind of thing lately, just in general. Like, no shade against my aunt, who I love, but she is a rich person. And I just, just as an example, just in general, like people that have a lot more comes to them when they have a lot. You know, like, the way that our society is set up is fucked up in pretty much all ways. But the way that I've been thinking the most about lately is this kind of shit. Like, for example, my aunt, who, as I said, is very rich. She is the only person in our family that is, I mean, I don't know what she would be considered. Maybe upper middle class? 
I don't, I don't really know how that works, but the rest of us in the family would probably be considered, I guess my grandparents are probably like mid middle class and the rest of us are lower middle class. Again, I don't really know how that shit works, but that's just my instinct just to say that. And like my mom is getting ready to move. So she is in a position of like, she's been like listing stuff on Facebook to sell, getting a little bit of money here and there for different furniture items and stuff like that. And that's great. It's going to help fund her move and, and stuff like that. It's awesome. But she showed my mom, my aunt last weekend, how to use like the Facebook marketplace thing, the way that she's been selling furniture and stuff to get ready for her move. And my aunt has made so much money in like less than a week that Facebook shut her down. <laughs> like someone was coming to her house yesterday to give her $750 for one item. And she was selling a whole bunch of other like designer things and all this shit. And it just, I mean, this is like a weird, I don't, I mean, maybe it doesn't, I mean, it makes sense. Like you're a rich person. You've accumulated a lot of nice things. You have more nice things to get rid of. Whereas like the rest of us motherfuckers, like if I were like in a desperate situation where I needed to sell something to make some money, like the only thing I have that's worth more than maybe a hundred dollars I might have a couple things. I have my stereo amp. I might be able to get two or three hundred dollars out of and my fucking car <laughs> like that's it end of list I don't have anything that I could make some real cash off of getting rid of because poor people use shit that they have and they don't have more than they need typically and the stuff that they have didn't cost that much in the first place. Therefore, you know, you can't, it's just like my aunt is bringing in so much money right now when she is the one amongst us that has the most already to begin with. And that's just the way that our world works. And it's just like a very small scale. And again, I love my aunt. It is nothing against her. It's just, this is the way that our system is set up that those who have get more coming to them. Even in the sense that when you're a rich person, people give you things, you know, for example, like famous Instagrammers and YouTubers, just for example, you know, once they get to the point where they have a lot of subscribers and followers, companies start sending them shit. Like if you're a beauty YouTuber, a beautuber. I don't know if they call themselves beautubers, but if you're a beautuber and you like, you know, review makeup products, for example, like you're buying all that shit out of your own pockets in the beginning. But once you have a shit ton of subscribers, all that stuff gets sent to you for free. And then, and then, but at that point, since you have a ton of subscribers, you're getting paid for your videos. And like, as soon as you have enough money to really pay for all the things that you do for your job, you don't have to pay for them anymore because they just get sent to you because people want you to endorse their shit. And that's just, I mean, maybe 
that makes complete sense, but I don't know. It just, it seems unfair to me. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm probably always going to be a broco, and that's okay. I've made my peace with that for the most part, but um, just every once, I just have this like, and this is something that my mom and I have talked about before. It's kind of hard not to have disdain for people that have a lot of money. And it's, unless you see them actively helping other people out and spreading their wealth. Like, I feel like a person that has too much money has a responsibility to their community because so many people don't have enough. And is that a socialist thing? Um, viewpoint? Maybe. I'm okay with that. Like, I really don't think that any person, just the fact that we place value on how much money people make means that we're placing more value on people that have more money. And I think that is very wrong. Most people on the surface think that that is a wrong assumption, but we still do it. You know, we still, we're cultured, we're socialized to be, to be ashamed if we are poor. And I don't know. Anyway, this is not anything new that anybody doesn't know. But I don't know, that kind of shit's been bugging me lately, is all I'm saying. And the fact that a government shutdown hurts no one except the people, the only people that it could hurt are, is who it hurts. It doesn't hurt the people that need to be hurt by it, you know? And I, nobody needs to be hurt by a government shutdown. And the fact that all it is is our stupid president just sort of crossing his arms and going, hmm, I'm just going to stand here and we're going to do nothing until you do what I want you to do, which is a terrible fucking idea. <laughs> like, why is that the world that we live in? Hopefully, hopefully we are finally, I mean, I guess we're officially like halfway through his goddamn presidency at this point. <sighs> hopefully we'll make it through this. I really think we will. So anyway, let's go back to the movie topic. Oh wait, I have just like a really quick thing that I wanted to, it's just something I learned on a podcast today that I wanted to share with you guys just in case you don't know because I didn't know. Getting your oil changed in your car. Did you know that it is no longer uh, do it every three months or, or every 3,000 miles, whichever comes first kind of situation? That was just sort of an overall suggestion from decades and decades ago. Oil efficiency technology has advanced. Car technology has advanced to such an extent that those numbers really vary based on what car you have. So you should probably look at your manual and see what it suggests. Any like oil changing place that says you should do it every three months or every 3,000 miles is just trying to get your money and it's actually kind of bad for the environment to do it that often because you know changing your oil uses up more oil which is a finite resource and blah 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 and it's actually like every six months if if you're a person that uses your car just to like drive to and from work. That's actually like 
kind of worse on your car than if you do a lot of highway driving. Um, but basically you should just read your manual to figure out when the best time for you is. My car is like five, every 5,000 miles is suggested at the low end. If you're like, I don't know what they called it, an extreme, not an extreme user, but the way that I drive my car is I only drive it like to and from work. So that's actually not that great for my car. So I probably really should get my oil changed every 5,000 miles, which for me is really only like every six months or so. So if you're that type of person, getting your oil changed twice a year is probably pretty safe. Pretty safe bet. But again, look at your manual if you still have it and see what, what is recommended for your particular car. So that was just an, a new little fact that I learned today that I thought I would tell you guys. So you're welcome. Okay, I can cross that off. <laughs> um, I will do a what's up with Mixtress eventually, but let's go ahead and talk about the next chunk of movies first. So a lot of good movies in this range for me since we're talking about 1995 through 2000. I actually really love all of these movies so this is not a situation of me you know picking the least of all evils in each year and that's basically because you know in 1995 through 2000 I was like 12 through 18 so this was like a pretty peak time period for pop culture discoveries and just identity forming stuff like all of my very favorite shit in this world like a good 75% of my very favorite books movies tv shows and music are going to be stuff that I discovered in this time period whether it came out in that time period or not so my favorite movie from 1995 is Tank Girl great comic book adaptation of a character this movie is severely underrated. Like, plot-wise, it's cheesy as fuck, but it's a comic book movie. This is a comic book movie done right. If you like comic book movies, if you're into, like, the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe and all that shit, this is one to seek out. I mean, it doesn't fit within a larger universe of shit. It's just a standalone, but it's a pretty well-structured movie, and it's pretty true to the source material and it's just fun like Lori Petty does a great job as the lead in this movie and people seem to have disdain for this movie if they know that it exists at all and I don't know what that is it might be a sexist thing like you're dismissive of it because there's a female in the lead role that isn't like a bombshell she's not a bombshell she's just like a quirky little I mean she still is hot <laughs> but, like, she's not a femme fatale at all. She's very much in control of her own universe. Naomi Watts is also in this movie. I just, it's very underrated. So if you haven't seen Tank Girl or you haven't seen it in a while, watch it again, motherfucker. You're gonna love it. <laughs> um, 1996, my favorite movie from that year is Scream. And that is definitely, like, I mean, it's one of my top five horror movies of all time. I love Scream. I always will. Great soundtrack. Um, great performances. Overall, not a sexist movie. And Wes Craven does a pretty good job on that front. Overall. From what I've seen of Wes Craven. 
he's okay with not being too sexist. Not a lot of people of color in his movies, but I mean, they're very white. But this movie's great because Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox are both two bitchin' female characters that save the day in the end. And that's something that women in horror are sometimes allowed to do. And this is one of the very first, like, meta movies whenever that started being a thing, which was so cool when it first started. I mean, people have obviously taken it too far and gotten too ridiculous with it these days. But, um... Just a great movie. 1997, my favorite movie from that year is Chasing Amy. This is um, a Kevin Smith movie. My favorite Kevin Smith movie. Really the only Kevin Smith movie that has any sort of like substance to it. Um, it's really like a good story. And that's in huge part to Joy Lauren Adams, which plays the lead role. She is actually a real-life ex of Kevin Smith's, and the story is written based on some lessons that he learned by being in a relationship with her. Like, at the, at the point when he made the movie, they were just friends. They weren't together anymore because he was a giant asshole, and this whole movie is sort of an apology to her for how big of an asshole that he is. Um, I, you know, I'm sure Kevin, Kevin Smith definitely has problematic things about him as a filmmaker, as a human, like we all do. But I think whether or not he credits her for this, and he might even credit her for this, I think a lot of like any wokeness that Kevin Smith has within him could be attributed to Joy Lauren Adams. And that is all, I mean, this whole movie is kind of a love letter to her. And it has problematic aspects to it as well, but overall this movie is something that I still very much enjoy and I think it's worth it's I think it's worth your time if you especially if you like Kevin Smith movies, but um yeah, I don't know. Dogma was a good one too. I like some Kevin Smith movies. 1998, my favorite movie from that year is SLC Punk. That is Matthew Lillard and other people as well. I don't remember any other big names in that movie. Um, that one guy, that one guy that gets naked in a lot of movies and is in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That guy is, this is like his first movie. He was in it as well. But anyway, it's just like a coming of age type movie set in like late 70s punk Salt Lake City. And it's very specific. It's very much about like selling out and being a weirdo and the subculture of being a weirdo. And those type of movies I really resonate with. So still love that movie. 1999. Now this is the year that like there's a million movies that I love from 1999. Let me just read you off a list. I'll try not to talk about them as we go. 200 Cigarettes, American Beauty, Blair Witch Project, Dogma, Virgin Suicides, 10 Things I Hate About You, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Fight Club, Jawbreaker, Office Space, Stigmata, Three to Tango. That's just a short list of movies that came out in 1999 that I love, and this was a hard decision, but The Matrix is definitely the one. It is the one. Um... Watched it again recently. 
Um, there are some problems with The Matrix, but overall, that entire trilogy is still very important to me, and I love it. 2000, another super underrated movie that not a lot of people, I feel like, have seen, The Cell. This is Jennifer Lopez is the main character. Vincent D'Onofrio is like a serial killer. And the premise is, this is a very aesthetic movie. So like if you're, I mean, a lot of movies that I love are like that, are like a world and atmosphere. And this movie definitely paints a very detailed atmospheric picture. And one of the ways in which they do that is like the main gist of the plot is Vincent D'Onofrio, the serial killer, something happens to him and he like, like epilepsy or something. I don't know. He has some episode that puts him in a coma or in a non-responsive state in general, probably just a coma and, or catatonic state. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, he's non, he's not able to respond, but he's not dead yet. And he has a current victim in the way that his killing works is like a time sensitive thing. Like the girl's gonna drown in a certain number of days if they don't find her. But since they can't, and they finally have caught him, but they can't talk to him to find out where she is before she dies. You know, they know that she only has like a couple days left or whatever. So in this premise, like <laughs> Jennifer Lopez, she's a psychologist and she has developed this technology or she's the only one that can handle this particular technology or something, I don't know, where she can go into the mind of an unconscious person. And she does it with like patients and they convince her to do it with this serial killer, <laughs> which is just like so creepy, so creepy. And basically the whole thing is, it's like a dream state. It's like, what would the landscape, how would the landscape of your mind manifest as a place? And just that concept to me, I've always found so interesting. And I just think this movie presents a lot of really interesting ideas and um, it's scary. So don't watch it, Laura. It is, it is too scary, but you know, being inside a serial killer's mind, as you would imagine is a scary place, but just the premise of, you know, your mind being a place. I've always just loved that idea. And I think overall this movie executed it brilliantly. Like whoever did the cinematography on this, movie did a great job. So The Cell is from 2000 and that's the last one I'm going to talk about before I come back. I have been picking my favorite movie of the ones that I'm talking about. It's got to be The Matrix of these. It just has to be. Um, I love The Matrix. Love it so much. It, you know, the ideas within it are part of who I am. Um, so yeah. Let's get into, I'm going to try to find a song from each of these movies to play for you guys right now, and then I'll come back to talk about some more shit. Hello, nerds and dweebs. This is Mixtress Ray. You're listening to Mixtress Radio. Tonight, I am capping off a project that I started in 2017, wherein I pick my favorite movie from each year that I've been alive. So 1982 through 2018 is what we're talking about here. Um, you just, and I'm picking a song from each of those 
movies. So you just heard kind of the best chunk of time for me personally, because among the um, movies that I picked as my favorites from 1995 through 2000 are like, they're all still favorites of mine. Um, so you just heard like the best chunk of it. So let's just power through here, you know? Um, I do have other things that I want to talk about tonight. And one of those, it kind of makes sense to talk about here because, um, spoiler alert, but 2003, my favorite movie I picked was Kill Bill. So I want to talk about something real quick that's kind of upsetting. And then we'll get back to talking about the movies and then you'll hear some more music. So I'm going to talk about the upsetting thing. I'm going to try not to dwell on it too long, but it's something that I feel like I need to say. So in my Throwing Shade, the, the podcast Throwing Shade, I listen to every week, and this was a topic that they talked about today. So if you listen to that podcast, then I'm going to be repeating myself. But, um, so you've already heard this. And it kind of relates to the movie Kill Bill. Do you, okay, so there are definitely things that I like about that movie. However, I also believe that Quentin Tarantino is probably a terrible human. And there are definitely things about several of his movies that I really like. All of that said, do you remember in Kill Bill, there's that plot point that I've always found really upsetting, not only because of the content, but the fact that it was put in. Like, obviously content-wise, very upsetting material. So, what it is, is when the when the movie begins, um, the main character, Uma Thurman, plays Beatrix Kiddo. She is in a coma. And she has been for, I can't remember how long, but some time. Some extended period of time. And um, there's this plot point where, like, some of the orderlies at the hospital or whatever. People that work at the hospital that is like providing the care for her while she's in a coma. She's like in some fucking basement or whatever. Forgotten. They like sort of pimp her out. Like I believe there's even money exchange. I believe that they're charging people to rape her while she's in a coma. And I remember watching that even the very first time I saw it. And not only being disturbed by that, because that's disturbing, but knowing that that's not fucking fictional and something that never occurred to me. It never occurred to me before that that would be done to people in comas. But as soon as I saw that in that movie, I knew that that probably happens all the time. So I'm here to tell you publicly, as my friends and family, <laughs> I just want as many people to know as possible if I'm ever in a vegetative state or a coma from which no one thinks I'm going to recover. If it's like the type of thing where like I was in a really tragic car accident and I've been in an induced coma and I'm going to wake up in a few days, that's a different story, but I want someone to be by my side the whole fucking time. Okay. Like take turns. Definitely don't overwhelm yourself by sitting at my comatose side but don't leave me alone in that fucking hospital because I'm sure this happens to women all the time. 
But if I am in a vegetative state or a coma from which I am not going to awake, I do not want someone to have to sit at my side indefinitely forever. Pull the plug. Okay? There's no reason for a person to exist in a vegetative state. You know, if they can't think, if they can't act, if they can't do anything, you know, fuck that. <laughs> first of all, but also I don't want to get raped. And you know, that happens all the goddamn time. So there was a news story. Again, this is very upsetting. I'm sorry I'm bringing this up, but it just needs to be said because ever since I saw that in Kill Bill, I knew that was real and it was just too upsetting. And I don't think it should have been in the movie <laughs> because they were sort of playing it off like a joke. And then she wakes up and gets revenge on everyone. But that doesn't make that plot point. Okay. At all at all. Anyway, so there's was a news story that came out like in the last week or so. A woman who has been in a vegetative state because of a car accident, I believe. I may be getting that part of it wrong, but in any case, something traumatic happened to her that left her in a vegetative state. And for whatever reason, her family has not pulled the plug. And she has been in this state for 10 years, maybe 11, over 10 years, but less than 15. I don't remember the exact details. The headline was that, you know, person in a vegetative state gives birth, uh, which is really a problematic way to put that, isn't it? Because what it really is, is woman in vegetative state has been raped probably repeatedly because like, you know, you don't just get pregnant from the first time something happens usually. And I just, I am so upset by that because it just reminds me again that like even taken as an isolated incident, if you believe that that's the only time that has ever happened, it's super upsetting, but you know, that's not the only time this has ever happened. You know that this is happening to people, especially women everywhere, right the fuck now. So number one, do not rape people when they cannot give consent. Number two, pull the fucking plug if that ever happens to me, okay? I'm consenting to you pulling the plug right goddamn now because no, okay? No. I worry about, like, I don't ever want to go under for anything. But if I ever do have to have like some kind of surgery or whatever, whatever, there's going to have to be something set in place. I don't know what that means, but like there has to be like somebody that is my advocate, you know, because you know, in our fucking sexist ass, patriarchal, horrible society, and we've heard of this happening many times, which means it's happened a whole lot fucking more than those many times that we've heard of it. Like people molesting people and raping people while they're, you know, under anesthesia and asleep and in comas and oh, so disturbing, so disturbing. I just, I'm sorry I had to tell you, but I did. <laughs> um, which if you go back to the, and our society fucking sets this up too. Like all the fucking fairy tales that we were told as children, some chick sleeping, some chick sleeping, some dude kissing her to wake her up. Like non-consensual kisses, unconscious women, 
is a recurring theme in the stories that we are told growing up. That is bullshit. It's not cute. It's not okay. The original story of Sleeping Beauty, which probably a lot of you guys already know this, is not that she is awoken by a kiss from a prince, which is already creepy enough, like not okay, still. She's woken up by her like twin babies. So she's given, she's been raped while she was asleep, given birth, and she is woken up by them like sucking on her boobs. That's how she wakes up. She's not woken up by a kiss. She's So in this particular situation that was in the news, like, what the fuck? What the fuck are they going to do with this baby? This poor child. Can you imagine? You grow, your mom's in a vegetative state and your dad's a rapist. And you don't get to know either of them. And like, you're just taken care of by what? You're, the grandparents are like, oh, it is so awful. So awful. Have the fucking guts to pull the plug. Do not let your loved ones live in a state of, like, even if they're not being raped. You know, like, obviously, if they have had told you beforehand that for, for whatever reason, just like, hold on, let science save me someday. I don't care if I'm in a coma for 20 years. I don't want to die. Then whatever. Respect their wishes, I guess. But respect their wishes. <laughs> I don't know. Y'all are my power of attorney now. <laughs> I hope you can handle the responsibility. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, super disturbing. Sorry I did that to you guys. Let's move on to happier topics. Let's talk about movies that we like. Okay? So we're going to talk about movies. So we do six at a time, generally. So that means we're talking about movies from 2001 through 2006. So I graduated high school in 2001. And my favorite movie from that year really encapsulated the experiences that I was having as a high school graduate, as a newly high schooled graduate. High schooled graduate? Yeah, I'm real schooled, as you can tell. Ghost World is um, Thora Birch and a little baby Scarlett Johansson it plays her best friend. And she's like a super weird girl. She's very sarcastic. She's very Daria, um, basically. And it's based on a comic book of the same name. And it's, it's just her sort of reconciling how to be a super weird human in the world after graduating high school. And like, she doesn't really want to work. She doesn't really want to like get a job, get an apartment. She doesn't really want to move on. She doesn't want to change. She's reluctantly lurching forward into adulthood. And it's, um, it's kind of a sad story. But it rings really true to me. Steve Buscemi's also in it. Um, there's a problematic situation there. It's not really... Uh, she sort of seduces him. And then he kind of becomes attached to her. But he does take no for an answer. So it's like of the like creepy age difference romances in culture that I've seen. This one's probably the least upsetting. Um, because he did not, he was not creepy towards her at all, ever. And, you know, the way that they ended up having sex was kind of seemed natural. 
um, and he just automatically assumed that they were going to be in a relationship and she just sort of used him. So like, you know, also not a great situation. He was probably in his late 30s at the time and she would have been, you know, 18, 19, but so that's gross. That's a problematic aspect of the movie. However, I think it made sense in the context of this movie. Anyway, still a movie that I really love because it really reminds me of where I was at that point in my life as well. And it came out at that exact time that it was happening to me. I didn't fully understand. You know, it's more of a perspective thing. Like I look back and I'm like, yeah, that's why I like that movie so much. I was unwilling to admit how much like this character I was. Um, but watching it now is just sort of like ripping off a band-aid. You know, it hurts, but it hurts, and it, but it needs to be done. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I still love that movie. 2002, my favorite movie from that year is Lilo and Stitch. Still, like, I would say that this, was this Disney or Pixar or what? I don't know. As far as, like, cartoon, mainstream cartoon narratives, this is my favorite still. It still holds up. It's got people of color. They're drawn in a different way than other, like, Disney people were drawn. You know, they were drawn more, like, realistically shaped as humans. Um, the character of Stitch is still just one of my favorites. It's just so, you know... I don't know. Stitch has my heart and always will. He's like the ferret energy of strange alien cuddly Disney creatures, you know? It's just he's so rebellious and sort of chaotic, evil, <laughs> not evil, chaotic, neutral, and just like I don't know. Just everything about Stitch. He's so cute. I can't even take it. If I were to get a Disney character tattooed on my body, which I don't know if I could handle that just cognitively, it would probably be Stitch. He's my spirit animal in a Disney character. Love that movie so much. Laura, do you love Lilo and Stitch? <laughs> I feel like if I were to bond with anyone about that movie in particular, it would be you. Maybe it's not for you. I know you like Finding Nemo though, so possibly Lilo and Stitch could fit in the... I, I feel like Stitch would maybe be a Slytherin, but he's like a Hufflepuff Slytherin. <laughs> he's like a Slytherin with a side of Hufflepuff, which is what I, I kind of like to think of myself that way. Um, then 2003, I did pick Kill Bill originally, but like thinking about it now, uh, all I can think about is that one thing. Finding Nemo came out in 2003. Um, School of Rock. I don't know. Maybe I'll change it. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. It's Kill Bill. 2004. Favorite movie from 2004. By far, Napoleon Dynamite. I still... This is probably one of my top five movies of all time. It just completely captures what it felt like for me to be in elementary school. Like, I was very... It just... This movie just takes me to elementary school. I know it's, like, set in a high school, so you're not supposed to really think that. But 
Or maybe it's junior high. I don't... Do they even really say, like, what grade they're in at any point during this movie? I don't know. But it just reminds me of being in elementary school and a little bit of being in middle school. It's just, like, I, I get this movie. This movie gets me. Like, I am on the wavelength of the Napoleon Dynamite movie. <laughs> like, a lot of people... This is one of those movies that, like, either you're like, I don't get that at all, or top five movies of all time. You know, like, I don't feel like... I mean, I don't think if anyone's really honest with themselves, anyone's ambivalent about Napoleon Dynamite. It is very much a thing. So you're either going to love it or hate it. I love it. 2005, I picked The Descent. That's another, um, probably one of my top ten horror movies of all time. I, I affectionately call it chicks in a cave because it's a group of women I don't remember how many but like five to seven women that descend they're like spelunkers like professional spelunkers or or they're like experienced at least and they go to this one cave that like hasn't really been mapped yet and like you know nobody's really done it before blah 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 and horrific things happen. Like, it is a gruesome horror movie, but I love it because it's well done and it's women. It's women driving the whole entire plot. Like, it's women. Um, there's some bullshit in it that, like, you know, whatever. There's bullshit and everywhere. There's bullshit everywhere. Sexist bullshit is everywhere. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but, um, Overall, I do enjoy that movie a lot. 2006, my favorite movie from that year is Marie Antoinette. This is one, it's Sofia Coppola directed it. So that right there should tell you that it really has no substance whatsoever. <laughs> Sofia Coppola is not really about substance, but she's really good with creating an atmosphere and an aesthetic. You know, um, she's a lot like um, that one guy that does all the movies that everybody loves that I can't stand. Wes Anderson. She's kind of like Wes Anderson. Like, I probably would never want to have a conversation with Sofia Coppola, but I like her movies a lot because they all tell a really specific story through the soundtrack and the cinematography, and they, they all, like, paint a picture. They create a world, and the world that she created with this Marie Antoinette movie is very unique. Like, it's not really historical. It's not like a biopic of Marie Antoinette at all. It might have like a tiny kernel of history in it, but overall it's just about the decadence that you might believe that Marie Antoinette had in her life. It's almost like the early 20s Bacchanal, Bacchanal, however you say that word, mentality of just like, not knowing who you are, doing lots of drugs and hanging out with your friends. And the soundtrack is like um, Joy Division and The Cure <laughs> and um, Susie and the Banshees. It's like, and that makes complete sense to me. I feel like that embodies the, I don't know. I think it was just a really interesting and good choice. Um, the colors are all super pastel and like oversaturated and just all of the aesthetic choices of this movie 
work for me, but it's one of those things that they might not, that probably doesn't work for a lot of people, and a lot of people are probably pissed off at the portrayal of a historic figure in the way that she did it in this movie, but I think it's interesting, and I, it's one of those eye candy movies that you just put on in the background, and you don't have to pay attention to it, because nothing's happening. Just like Wes, Kurt, Wes Anderson. If you like Wes Anderson, Anderson, um, you may not be willing to admit it to yourself, but those movies have got nothing in terms of content. Zero. It's just set pieces. That's it. Like, let's be honest. If you're into that, fine. I guess there's no women in those fucking movies, so I don't know why you'd be into that. I feel like you could just jump to Sofia Coppola, get the same experience with some possible female characters, although she's still pretty sexist herself as well. Um, okay, so let's get into it. I'm going to play one song from each of those movies. Let's go. Hello, kittens and cats. This is Mixtress Ray. You're listening to Mixtress Radio. And we are doing, I'm capping off this project that I started at the beginning of like 2017, um, where I decided to pick my favorite movie from every year that I have been alive. So 1982 through 2018, I'm telling you guys my favorite movie from each of those years, um, which some of those years they're slim pickings. So it's not a great comprehensive list of my favorite movies overall when you look at it, but I'm glad to be done with this project and I'm playing you a song from each movie tonight. So I think the actual playlist of what we're listening to is more interesting than actually looking at the list of movies. So, um, you just heard a song from the Marie Antoinette soundtrack, which is excellent, by the way. It's a double album, and it's like a mixture of um, Susie and the Banshees, The Cure, Joy Division, um, Bow Wow Wow, but also there's like some harpsichord shit mixed in, <laughs> and like... Um, Vivaldi and uh it's just like a really interesting mixture of music and I can listen to that entire double album from beginning to end um one of the great soundtracks of all time in my opinion which is one of the big reasons why I like that movie at all so I'm gonna go ahead and talk about the next six movies and then we'll come back for our final segment where I will do a what's up with mixtress So tonight's show is definitely going long. I was trying not to talk as much, but like I can't talk about, I can't just list these movies. I have to talk about them. But considering I didn't talk for 10 minutes about each one in that sense, I'm doing great. So it's probably going to be a four hour show, but I'm still doing great because I'm talking about other shit too, not just the movies. Um, but okay. 2007, my favorite movie from that year is Juno. That is still, like, I think it's just a really snarky, well-written, interesting movie. Um, I still like it quite a bit. Um, I, I probably haven't seen it in the last few years, but I've seen it so many times that, like, I know it, and I know I like it. And um, Diablo Cody overall has... She is great. She did Juno, um, Young Adult, and Tully. She also did Jennifer's Body, I think. I need to watch that one again, because I saw it once, and I think I didn't totally wrap my head around it that first time, and then I just never watched it again. But um, I really like her work for the most part. Um, So Juno, 2008, 
I picked Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. However, that's just like the least of all evils in that sense. Like, it's not a great movie, but um, yeah. And I haven't seen it in a while. I need to revisit that one because I'm not sure how much that would piss me off these days. Um, 11 years on. 2009, I picked um, a movie that I've only seen maybe three times, but god damn, it's a good movie. John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph, um, they are recently pregnant and they sort of don't know. They're at like a turning point in their lives. They're really broke. Um, they don't know where they want to raise their kid. They don't know if they're like mature enough to be parents. They're like in their early 30s. And it's just such a realistic and they the whole movie is just like them traveling to visit different friends and family members in different parts of the country just because neither of them know where they want to land. You know, they want to find a good place to live and raise their kid and they have no idea. And, um, it's just such a cool movie. It's just so like, it's just got heart and it's got, it's just realistic and beautiful and doesn't piss me off. Like, in the sexist sense. <laughs> um, it's just a really great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's, I don't know. I think it could be good for a lot of different types of people. Like I am in no way a person that relates to, you know, raising a family. <laughs> so like the circumstances of this movie, I did not relate to, but just the realness of these two characters with each other, like a lot of aspects of their relationship reminded me of me and my Michael, obviously not the part of having a kid together. Cause we will never do that. But just, you know, that, that part of adulthood where like, I don't know, like people sometimes forget to mention that being an adult is just being older than you used to be. You know, like it doesn't mean that you have anything figured out. And I always feel like I have nothing figured out. Like I am definitely not someone that's ever going to think of myself as an adult. That feels like a concept that's beyond me. But, um, that particular aspect of live in life as an older human than you used to be. <laughs> and what does that mean? They This movie captured that really well, and it's just a great movie. T 2010 Easy A was my pick. How many am I doing here? 2007 through 2012. Easy A is like um, a high school type movie. It has what is that chick's name? I don't know, but she's like really popular these days. She was in La La Land. That chick. Um, she's the main character and it's just, it's a really interesting take on like the Scarlet Letter situation. Like people think of her as a slut for no reason, for arbitrary reasons. And she sort of goes with that idea and like, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain what this movie is, but it's really well done. It's a smart high school coming of age philosophically based um storyline that is well done. I like it a lot. 2011, by far my favorite movie from that year is Bridesmaids. Um for sure. Like great 
It's like The Hangover mixed with a romantic comedy. It's like if The Hangover was good mixed with a romantic comedy. If you haven't seen Bridesmaids, oh god, it is such a good time. It's Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, um, other people as well. <laughs> and it's a it's so funny and it's sweet and it's realistic. My Rudolph is in that one as well. Um, it's really good. 2012, the movie I picked was Perks of Being a Wallflower. That is like one of my favorite books of all time. And the movie really captured the essence of the book very well. Um, I think it was really well done. I don't really have any complaints about the movie, just thinking back on it. I haven't seen it very recently, um, but I just remember good things about it. So let's listen to one song each from each of those movies, and then I'll come back with my What's Up with Mixtures, and we'll talk about the last six movies. Hello, Mixtresses and Mixtures. This is Mixtress Ray, and you've been listening for a really long time tonight to Mixtress Radio. Thanks for going on this journey with me tonight. If for some reason you're just tuning in, it's probably after 10 o'clock at this point. I mean, it's got to be because we're going long tonight. Um, we've been talking about, I started this project two years ago, wherein I decided I was going to pick my favorite movie from each year that I've been alive. So 1982 through 2018, which is why this, this show has gone on so long because I'm that old. That's why. Um, and also because I can't not, I, like, I was just going to list the movies, but I can't do that. I have to talk about them. <laughs> I have kept it pretty short and sweet for me, though, because I haven't talked about every single one of these 37 movies for 10 minutes each. So, you're welcome. <laughs> Most of them I've been able to, like, talk about for three minutes or less. So, that's pretty good, right? But we have gone on long tonight. As of the starting of this particular segment, I guess it's not that bad. I've been talking for like an hour and a half, and I'm probably about to talk for at least 15 minutes. <laughs> and I gotta play a song for each movie as well. So, um, don't know the exact calculations as of this exact moment because I haven't picked the playlist yet. But most likely tonight is gonna go till 10.30 to 11 instead of the usual being over at 10. Which you know if you're looking at the clock right now because it's probably after 10 already. So thanks for going on this journey with me tonight. I love you guys so much. I could not do this without you. Um, I hope to very soon be able to have the paid version of my radio show again, which means you will be able to again listen on your mobile devices more easily than... Um, because now it's like a complicated process to be able to listen on a mobile device. So if you're doing it right now, that means you went through the extra steps to go to the desktop version of the radio site and I thank you even more because I don't like to make it harder for people to listen that's not a good strategy so um thank you so much for everything you do I have enough money in my patreon account right now I can pay for a year of the radio show I just have to actually take the steps to withdraw the money which is kind of complicated and you have to wait like 10 business days or some shit so it'll probably be a few weeks maybe even a month until I have the paid version of this radio show going again but I am going to do it I have made the decision 
I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. It is coming. I just don't know exactly when. Um, so thank you to anyone that contributes to my Patreon. Y'all are my people and I love you very much. And I couldn't do any of this without you. I could not do this if I didn't have listeners and especially listeners that contribute to my um, financial well-being. You're the best. Um, if you listen to my podcast, I will have a, a new episode up tomorrow. We're going to talk about the episode of Buffy called Gingerbread from season three. So that'll be up tomorrow. Um, let's see. I was going to do a What's Up with Mixtress. So we had a little, um, we invited the porch cat in and we thought maybe forever, but we decided maybe not forever. Um, so she's back to the porch. Um, we love her a lot and we feel like, I know I am responsible for this cat's life at this point. She's been, we've been feeding her. We've been her sole caretakers for almost a year now. Um, so I know I want to at the very least get her spayed, but you know, like the choice right now is should we surrender her to the humane society and like pay all of the fees? Cause I want to make sure like her adoption fee is paid her, any shots that they have to give her. I just, I want to make sure if I'm burdening the humane society with another animal that I'm paying for absolutely everything, or do we want to get her spayed and bring her back to the porch? Like, not immediately. Like, I'd be like, look, you guys, let me know when she's fit enough to go back in the outdoors, and I will take her back. But, like, the recovery process... Anyway, I don't know exactly what to do with that whole situation. Which means I'm at the same point that I've been in forever, of not knowing what to do with this situation. We thought she was in, but she's not in. I'm not at a point where I want to have a fourth animal in my life, like basically my ideal number of animals is two. Three is the absolute max, which is where we are now. Like I really don't have enough. I don't have what it takes to be the parent of four creatures. I just don't. Um, so that didn't exactly work out as planned, but we still love our empanada. We're still taking care of her. She has, for any of you that are worried about cold weather, she has places. She has like, she has some place that she normally goes, but she also has this like Tupperware slash cooler insulated with the hole cut out in the side situation on our porch. So she has places to go. Like she's okay. Like obviously if it were like super super cold we would still take her in but um yeah so that's up with me I guess like possible adoption of another cat but probably not situation um ongoing saga uh what else there have been several incidents at work recently that I mean just pretty much cement what I already know which is that I don't really like this job anymore and hopefully, I mean, there's another one on the horizon that I'm going to have to wait a little while for, but, um, just things that have been happening at work lately just lead me to knowing without a doubt that after doing this, pretty much this exact same job almost for almost 15 years, I mean, I've had other positions 
that have been slightly different, but essentially I've been doing pretty much the same thing for almost 15 years. And I think I'm, I think I'm going to be ready to move on <laughs> to something different in about a year if what I think is going to happen happens. So I can't be less vague than that right now, unfortunately. Um, what else is going on with me? I'm still just sort of in that mode, in that early January mode of assessing my life and trying to figure out how I want to do things and my sort of like keywords in my mind lately, you know, make fun of me if you want, are self-care. Like I really have been just in general trying to think of things in terms of taking better care of myself, which um, some of that is like cleaning the tub before you take a bath. <laughs> and some of it is washing your goddamn face every once in a while. Like, I am terrible about washing my face. If you guys have ever seen my face, you probably know that just by looking at me because I always have zits because I do not wash my face. I wash my face if I wear makeup. So ironically, even though I'm clogging my pores with makeup for most of the day, for sure on the days that I wear makeup, I'm going to wash my face because I always wash the makeup off. So I actually wash my face and moisturize it every time I wear makeup, which is funny that I take better care of my skin when there's makeup on it. But that's true. I'm trying to be better about like actually doing that three-step process that you're supposed to do of like at night, at the very least at night, washing your face with a cleanser. Then I use witch hazel as a toner. Then I moisturize my goddamn face. And it is helping. <laughs> Spoiler alert, if you wash your face, your breakouts clear up. I'm a 36-year-old woman that regularly has active eruptive zits on my face. Like right now I have at least five active zits. Eh, three to five active and several like scars. So they look active, but they're not. <laughs> I've always, always had acne problems ever since puberty. Anyway, um, so I'm just trying to take better care of myself and I came up with something this, I think last night when I was like laying in bed trying to sleep, I thought about something like I've kind of gained about five pounds since I, since we moved libraries. Um, and just become more inactive in general because I used to walk to work when the library was closer to my house because it used to take me about 15 minutes to walk to work. So I'd walk to work every single day. So essentially I got cumulative about two and a half hours per week of walking just from walking to and from work. And I don't have that activity anymore. And it's, you know, most days I don't go for a walk at all these days. Like I don't get very much activity at all. I'm trying to do yoga like several mornings a week as well, but I added a new thing and I think it's a good idea. We'll see how it goes after I try to do it for a few weeks. But since I used to get two and a half hours of walking every week, just from walking to and from work, 
I'm going to try to get that much walking in my daily life now, which is equivalent to like a 30 minute walk five days a week. So that's like something that would definitely be a challenge for me since I don't do any walking right now, except every once in a while I walk home from work on Mondays. Um, so that would take care of an hour right there if I walk home from work every Monday. Um, so yeah, I think that's a pretty reasonable goal and I think it's something that would, it would take me from zero activity to some activity and that would be a challenge for me at this moment in my life. So I think it's a, it's a good plan. It's a reasonable goal. It's something that makes sense in my brain. We'll see if it actually makes sense in practice. I just came up with it today and uh, right now I am I think it's a brilliant plan, so we'll see if it works. Um, I hope it does. Um, I really need to at least go on some goddamn walks, or at least use my goddamn treadmill. I don't think I've used my treadmill in a very long time. I'm, I'm one of those basic bitches that has a treadmill in their house and doesn't use it. I never wanted to be that person. <laughs> I thought I was going to use it all the time. <laughs> I don't love walking on a treadmill in general. Um, I'd much rather walk out in the world, but it's it's a good option for when you don't want to put pants on, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, I have been talking a lot tonight, so let's go ahead and get into talking about the last six movies. I don't think really anything else is up with me. Um, I've discovered a new podcast about tarot called Tarot for the Wild Soul. And it's really reigniting my love of tarot cards. And it's just something I've always been very drawn to. So I think I'm going to like nerd out on tarot cards for a while. It might be my first obsession of 2019. We'll see. Um, what else is up with me? Last night I put on three different corsets. Because part of my like self-care journey, for me, just like putting a corset on for a couple hours on a night at home just hanging out while I'm watching TV or something. I don't know. It's something that it helps me with anxiety. It helps me with self-confidence. It's just corset time is self-care time for me. So I put, I tried one on that I haven't, that I find to be very uncomfortable. That was like a cheap corset that I never wear. And so I tried it on for the first time in like, I don't know almost a year probably last night to be like, maybe it's not uncomfortable anymore. Yep. Still uncomfortable. Couldn't even wear it for like half an hour. So I changed into a different one. That's usually pretty comfortable for me, but since it's kind of been a while, I'm kind of bigger than I was the last time I, um, wore that corset for any, and it was like a corset that it's like my highest reduction corset. So I really can only wear it for like an hour or two at a time anyway, because it's, it's a pretty significant reduction in my waist size when I wear that corset. So I put that one on, but it wasn't doing it for me either. So I ended up putting a third corset on, which is my newest corset, which is the one I'm most obsessed with these days. And I loved it. It was perfect. It was just like, it was like a Goldilocks situation. It was like too hot, too cold, just right. But it's just, it always like, sometimes I think about my life from the outside and like, what if someone had just seen me for that particular hour of my life? They saw me 
put a corset on, look at myself in the mirror, <laughs> go sit down, look really uncomfortable, and then get up and take it off, put on another corset, um, look in the mirror for a while, uh, take some selfies, post them on Instagram, look kind of uncomfortable, take it off, put on a third corset, <laughs> and then uh, that corset I wore for a couple hours because it felt good. Anyway, <laughs> that would just like, obviously it sounds absurd even for you right now, even if you know how much I love corsets, but like if some random person saw me put on three different corsets while wearing, I wasn't wearing pajamas at that point, but pretty much I was wearing like stretchy pants <laughs> that could be um, confused for pajamas if you don't know um, that they're not. I don't know. Some of my daily life practices are pretty absurd. That's okay. You guys know that. Let's talk about the last six movies of my movie project and close the book on the thing forever. How about that? So we're up to 2013. My favorite movie from 2013 is The Heat. I still... This is um, a buddy cop movie. This is Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy directed by Paul Feig, who also did Bridesmaids. It's just such a good time. I find it so funny. So it's like, it's like Brooklyn Nine-Nine in movie format. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just, it's a really great, fun movie. Um, it's just good. It's an action movie. It's hilarious. It's lethal weapon for our times, you know? <laughs> I wish there were sequels. If this movie had been, you know, fronted by two dudes, there would be like four sequels already by now. Like, come on, give us a sequel. Although, wait until all of the fillers that Sandra Bullock has recently gotten put into her face have calmed down a little bit because it's distracting to look at her right now. Which is fine. Like, do what you want with your own face, but... In Ocean's 8, I loved that movie, but it was hard to look at her. <sighs> anyway, I'm evolving my feelings about plastic surgery. Like, I still just, like, really don't like the way that it looks most of the time. Although, I'm starting to realize that I don't always, I'm not always able to clock it. Like, if it's done well, you maybe can't tell. But it's just when it's been done badly, it's... Like, have you seen Madonna lately? Like, it's really weird. Like, she's not the type of person that has a round face. But she has so much filler in her face, it's like, they're like, I want you to erase all wrinkles by filling them all in. <laughs> Destroy all evidence that I am like a 65-year-old woman. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I'm evolving the way I think about it in that I really do think that people should do whatever the fuck they want. I'm fascinated by plastic surgery, but I don't think I would ever be able to do it. Um, but body modifications, dude, I'm all for body modifications. You know, do whatever you want. I may not enjoy looking at you anymore, but why do you care if I enjoy looking at you? Sandra Bullock don't give a fuck if I enjoy looking at her. <laughs> I love Sandy B forever, no matter what. Okay. The Heat 2013. 2014, my favorite movie from that year, is a movie that's kind of bad. 
It's done by the Luke Besson, who did Fifth Element, and it's called Lucy, and it stars Scarlett Johansson. It's really fucking weird, but, and it's, the premise is really just like, doesn't have two legs to stand on, but it's fun to watch, and I enjoy it, and I've seen it several times, and I will watch it several more times. 2015, my favorite movie from that year, Trainwreck. That is with Bill Hader and um, Amy Schumer. I really liked that movie a lot. 2016, favorite movie from that year is Arrival. I still, that movie is, it's up there, man. It's up there with Contact. It is a really well-made, beautiful movie with an excellent score. Amy Adams, um, it's just so good. If you like like sort of like space exploration if you like alien movies in this like in a star trek way in like a philosophical like how would the world really react if aliens landed and and like it i mean it's not scary at all it's it's just really thoughtful so if you haven't seen it um definitely seek out arrival that is a good goddamn movie 2017, my favorite movie from that year. I picked I, Tonya. I didn't see a whole lot of movies that came out in 2017, um, but I really enjoyed I, Tonya a lot, so I picked that. Um, Allison Janney's performance in that movie was, I mean, if a drag queen doesn't play her on a snatch game on RuPaul's Drag Race, then I just, I don't understand this world. <laughs> And I never will. <laughs> like, her performance, she was such an awful person, but she was, it was just so good. It was just so, like, immediately iconic to me, her performance in that movie. And really, that's what I'm basing um, that being my favorite movie of 2017 on. 2018, my favorite movie of that year. I mean, I think it's just got to be Annihilation. Um, could also be Thor Ragnarok. Um kind of a tie there because Thor Ragnarok is the type of movie that I need to buy and I will watch over and over and over because it's just so fun it's just the score is fun the this in my opinion that's the way a comic book movie should be it should be fun lighthearted lots of jokes um you should be making fun of yourself all the time especially if your name is Thor <laughs> You should be making fun of yourself all the time. Um, really enjoyed that movie a lot. Um, but Annihilation was the one that just... Oh, the score annihilated me, I can tell you that. Um, it just really slayed me. And the visuals, the score, um, the ideas within it, the way that it just created this whole world. Um, yeah. So that was... You know, those are definitely my top two right there. Thor, Ragnarok, and Annihilation for 2018. So I'm going to play you songs from those movies now and get out of your hair for the night because I know you got other things to do. Then listen to me babble. Some of you might want to go to bed. I don't know your life. I don't know if you go to bed as early as 11 o'clock. That sounds early to me. Although I know for some people that's late. I don't go to bed till like one or two in the morning, especially if I don't like have to be up the next day. So that's early for me. But anyway, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. 
Bye.